guys, you're welcome to the Prophet's Wife Show. The time is 6 p.m. and of course, you have nothing to do but to work the Prophet's Wife Show. Um, today on the show, we have something interesting coming on. I'm having a one-on-one -on -one with a beautiful and a glorious woman of God. You would love to hear her speak. Yes, because um, I've had a one-on-one -on -one with her before and I really enjoyed it. But then before I introduce her, I want you to remember that our handles on social media are the prophet's wife show on instagram and mimi l bernard also on instagram then on facebook is uh, mimi l bernard Nelson. on youtube is the prophet's wife show with me. okay so today on the show i have um a woman we all love a woman we, we also growing up, a woman I personally love, and she is Mama Francisca. Mommy, you're welcome. Thank you. You're looking so beautiful. Thank you. So are you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Mommy, can you say something about yourself? Um, who is um, Reverend Francisca? Who is Reverend Francisca? Um, I was born to this beautiful Osu lady. Also, right here in Accra, Ghana, and um, my mother um, grew up in those areas, and also worked at the SCOA okay. uh, in Accra during those years in the 1954. And of course, um, this handsome Frenchman from Paris saw her and couldn't take his eyes off, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and so here yeah, I was, oh, wow. <laughs> beautiful so daughter. Yes. So my so my mother is from Osuapra. But you speak Fanti. No, I speak Ga. I'm full Ga. Wow. I combo the Fanti. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> wow. But full Ga from Osu. And so yes, and then you know, um, grew up. My mother loved church, so grew up with a church setting, and that's how I became, uh, you know, a, a servant of God. Yes, because I was about to ask you when ministry started for you. Okay, so ministry started, as I said, right from childhood. Uh, my my, I saw my grandma. Uh, those days we had Orthodox churches, and so the Presbyterian church. Okay. Every Sunday, she would take her hand and drag us into the Presbyterian church. Then, as years went by, um, my sister, who was then at the Achimota Secondary School, she, she was the one who told me about, hey, have you heard of this new move? You got to come and listen. So, I'm talking about around the 78, 79. She dragged me to then action, which I just started. And so, that was how I joined the Action Church. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, in the in the 79th. But before then, um, as I already told you, my mother loved church, and so I remember in the 72s there was no church in the Tashinwa area. Oh, okay. Yes, so my mother offered her home um, to the. Um, her home for a church to be started. Yes, and it was a non-denominational church. So this Sunday we had Catholic 
uh, the following Sunday was Methodist, the following Sunday was Presbyterian. You know. So it wasn't like a particular church, different church? No, it was non-denominational, so everybody oh. in the area could come because it was just one church, you know, in the area at that time. And today, if you go to Tashinomwa, you see they've built a very big church, and it started right in my home. Oh. Yes, where my mother offered her home. And so once your mother has offered her home for a church, and there's going to be a church meeting, there's nothing else you can do as children but to get involved. Of course, if you didn't get involved, you knew that you were going to have your own punishment in a special way. So we had to get involved. And that is how my interest for church began to grow. I, ha I was taking care of the Sunday school. Okay. As young as I was, I was a teenager then. And um, at the same time, uh, if you know anything about the Teshin where it says they have the first junction, second junction, and then the third junction. And we were living in the first junction. But I will walk from the first junction. This is about an hour's or more walk to the third junction. Go and teach Sunday school over there. And then walk back to my mother's house. Because after the church was started at my mother's house, they also had a Sunday school for the children okay. uh, at the third junction. You know, So that is how I started. Uh, little did I know I was building <laughs> my own life. So the interest began to grow. Of course, we had to clean the place up, get the place ready. Uh, and if you are uh, the elder's daughter, you know, then of course uh, a lot of responsibilities uh, were laid on your head. So we were cleaning the place, I was cleaning, I remember I was serving the pastors who were coming at the same time, I was an interpreter, oh, can you imagine? Oh. In which time we gone? Gone. <laughs> wow. And, yes, I was an interpreter. I was, um, you know, reading the Bible, anything that they could find. <laughs> I was also uh, acting as a secretary to the pastors. After, after the meeting, if there was anything to be written or any um, uh, announcements and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, so we were so fully involved, fully, fully involved. And my love for the things of God grew so big that I just couldn't separate myself from church. When would you say pulpit ministry started for you, apart from the Sunday school? Well, I, I, I started, um, um, as I said, from, from that tender age. But guess what? I also attended Accra High Secondary School, which also had... No, it was mixed school. Oh, okay. And um, at that time, I was so scared of the seniors. So I would run into SU to cover myself during break time. And after you've run into SU for one year, I'm sure there, was, there were some deposits that were put into your life. So then, you know, I started uh, ministering. So for me, uh, pulpit ministry was indirect by teaching the children right at that age. Uh, young age and then in the in the in the early 70s mm -hmm. so it started and then you know as I grew older and as I got more matured and I believe that God who takes you from one state to the other 
took me from Sunday school, and then um, I went on to women's ministry. Okay. Yes. So then I was I was doing the women's ministry, and then I started what was called the Pastors Wives Association, and then after that, here I am today. You know, now ministering to everyone, pastors women in ministry about the pastors wise association is this something that is still there it's still there it's still there yes but on a on a smaller note because a lot of the pastors wives have now become so responsible um in the area of grandmotherhood you know most of <laughs> most of them now are grandmothers and so what it is is that um, a lot of them are taking care of the grandchildren. And wow. then, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. And then also, um, you know, it started in different areas. So it's there. I'm, I'm not focusing on the pastor's wives as a group at the moment. What it is now is that I do have what I call the Mama Francisca Minister's Network. Okay. And that one embraces pastor's wives women ministry, pastors, you know, so maybe both male and female. Both male and female, okay. yes. Your ministry focuses more on the youth. Is there a reason for that? Well, the youth is a part of it. Um, um, I do have the ministry, I still have the ministry to the women. I have the ministry to the pastors and wives. I have the ministry to women in ministry. And then I have the one for the youth. Okay. And, and the reason being that I realize that we do need our next generation. Right. You know, they also must be trained. They must also get what others got to make them what they are today. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Let's take uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Ampia Kofi yeah. as an example. Dr. Dake Ward Mills, uh, Reverend Stephen Stanley Mensah. Uh, uh, Pastor Eastwood Anaba, all these people went through some kind of preparation and training because I, I was privileged by the grace of God to be with them, started with some of them. You know, I always tell Pastor Eastwood, I say, Pastor Eastwood, I still have your picture when you were just like that. <laughs> you know, all your size, your weight was like that. And, and um, I remember uh, uh, Bishop Doug, you know, who then was a young, you know, student at the uh, uh, medical school and would come and play his organ at the back of the church. You know, I remember Reverend Stephen Stanley Mensa. They also had this beautiful uh, organ or whatever, and they would play. And it was just one thing. He had everything, the drums and everything inside. Uh, yes, uh, and, and from right from the uh, Great Hall, is it no not the great hall the uh, um, one of the halls at the University of Ghana the um, what is it called the um, uh, no like where they eat oh, uh, the, cafeteria. the cafeteria thank you the cafeteria so that 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 is where they started from and so I saw the beginning of of all these great men of God that God is using I saw the beginning of Pastor Isu's wife, you know, I saw the beginning of Mama Rita, I saw the beginning of Mama Dora, 
uh, Takia boy, Mama Rita, Ankara, uh, Pastor Jesus' wife. And, and so I, I saw the beginning of where God took us all from. We were all very young, you know, students. Uh, um, but all we knew was that God had his hand upon us. There was a call of God on us, you know, and, and um, so looking at everybody, as I'm talking to you now, most of them are now celebrating their 60th birthday. Some are even over 60 at the moment. Some are getting to 60. So I sat there and I thought, I said, wow, uh, you know, I, I know that God is going to give us long life, but there are things that a 25-year-old can do that a 60-year-old or a 70-year-old, doesn't matter how much you try to force it, you realize that um, age has a way of affecting you. You know, I remember uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes once said uh, that um, when he had his meetings and then the older people were not standing and shouting like the younger ones, he thought they didn't like his message. Little did he know that it was their knees. But when he got to that age, he realized it was because of their So they couldn't. So yes, so the age has a way of affecting you, your knees, your joints, all that. But um, if we can raise and also encourage the younger generation, you know, as we were encouraged. I mean, I, I remember the very first time that I was asked to preach. You know, I was teaching Sunday school, but that was my level. But when I had an invitation to go and preach, I was like, wow, <laughs> not me. Hey, I don't know any scripture. I don't know anything. All I knew was John 3.16, teaching the Sunday school children. And so I called a pastor at that time, and I said, Let, please, tell me how you all do it. This pastoral thing, this preaching, how do you do it? And, and he sat with me and, you know, took me through Proverbs 31. And that was an invitation to Nigeria. Oh. I went over to Nigeria, I preached the message, and guess what? It was all over the newspaper. Ah, a great woman of God oh. has come to Nigeria. And I was like, wow. So if um, those of us who started and are what we are today, was because somebody mentored us. Somebody saw something in us that, look, this person may not be everything today, but there's a bright light, you know, that is shining. And we can help these people. Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. So if I can help these people, this younger generation, you know, gather some of them with, with, with the knowledge I have, the experience I have, and also encourage them that look, you can also make it. Some of us, uh, at, a, at the time we started coming up, there was nothing like uh, Google. What, what are you, if you needed any uh, uh, information, I remember I used to have about 20 Bibles on my bed. Different times. Different ones. Amplify here, New Dead, that, that, just to go and preach one scripture. <laughs> But today, look at it. Yeah. Google you this. Google you can go. Ah, the commentary. Everything is there. And in our time, you had to buy everything with hard cash. But today, you know, everything, you can get knowledge. So much knowledge. And so if this younger generation 
can have somebody that, that can direct them, tell them that, look, this is the way we did it. This is the way you go about it. Take it from this step. Go on to that step. Look, life is simple. Take it a step at, at a time. The God who has called you is the same God who will lift you up. We didn't make it overnight. Some of us were called, as I said, in the 72s, you know. And so you can imagine how many years mm -hmm. it's taking some of us, you know. So 40 years, 45 years, 35 years, 30 years. And so if this younger generation can also be patient and, and somebody can encourage them, then I believe that in the next five years, in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, we are going to have the next Eastwood Anabes. We are going to have the next uh, 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 Ampia Kofis and, and, and the next generation so that this fire will not die but continue. Thank you, Mommy. Um, I'm taking you back to our previous question where you brought about the Pastors' Wives Association. And you mentioned the 60 year old, uh, maybe taking of their grandchildren. Can marriage or starting a family be a hindrance to a woman's ministry? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, uh, because you see, once you get married, marriage becomes your husband, your children, is your first calling. Preaching is not your first calling. Marriage, your family, is your first calling. But I believe that every woman can also plan her life in a way that you, you, you know that, okay, this is what I've been called to do. Because besides marriage, you also have a purpose for which you were brought on earth. I know right from when I was a teenager, because I was already teaching Sunday school, when I was just a young girl. So I knew that ministry for me was my calling. Now, it means that I have to train myself. People will come invite you here and there, go and preach, come and teach, encourage women, do all that. So yes, you need to know that you, as a woman of God, uh, uh, that has a calling, or maybe you're a doctor, or maybe you're a lawyer, or maybe, you know, a market woman, whatever it is. You must have time. You must know when to give time to your family, time to your work, and, and, and time to your husband, so that you don't mess up. You see, you don't spend one time uh, on one thing. Then you become balanced. But you need to put a balance in your life. So I believe that every woman must have this balance. Know when you're at work, know when you're at home, and, 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 and with that, that is why it's important to have somebody who has been there. Somebody, yes, who has walked that road. You know, somebody who can tell you that, look, uh, uh, you know, it's not too much when you come home and you're taking care of your husband and your wife. That doesn't take away your, the fact that you're a woman of God. God expects you to take care of your husband. God expects you to take care of your children. God expects certain things of you. So once you have this kind of knowledge, then it puts you at peace. You are able to do whatever you have to do, you know, and um, life moves on. We came to meet ministry and we will leave ministry if Jesus tarries. Amen. <laughs> so what keeps you going when faced with challenges? 
the word of God. Even Jesus had challenges. You know, I have a favorite scripture. Okay. I said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God forever, and it's only the violent. Okay. Okay. Now that violent for me, this is Mama Francisca translation. That violent there for me means overcome the challenge. Right. You see, I always see a challenge as somebody who has been to school, sat in a class, and then it's time for exams. You have to overcome that test to go to the next class. So for me, a challenge doesn't destroy you, number one. A challenge doesn't take away from you, number two. A challenge adds on to you. A challenge gives you experience. So if somebody comes and says, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm going through this, you know. When Mary got pregnant, you know she had to go to her cousin's home, Elizabeth. Yes. Elizabeth was older in pregnancy. And so she had to go there for her to do what? Elizabeth would say, hey, look, Mary, if you see yourself throwing up, know it's that it's not, it's normal, you know. So once you know that these things come to build you up, Jesus went through his own challenge. We will go through our own challenge. So challenges don't break us. Challenges build us. Challenges make us more matured. Challenges give us experience so that tomorrow somebody can also learn from you. You know? So I have a favorite scripture I preach on all the time. And I, I said, and God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. That testing is there for everybody. And that testing makes you know that one, you have a God who is faithful. Throughout everything you go through, hey, I should have died through this challenge, but I didn't die. Why didn't I die? Because there is a God that protected me. I should have done this, but I didn't. Some people went through it, they didn't make it, but look at me. And then what did I gain out of that testing? What did I gain out of that challenge? You know, it's like somebody who goes to the labor ward. And then the, the labor pains are coming and then you say you don't want to push. The doctor will tell you, push. Yes. And when you push, it's so painful. You know, as a mother, it, 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 it's so, for those of us who went through, these days there are all kinds of things to make it easy. But for those of us who went through some raw, raw, they call it raw, raw, you know, your, your stomach was hurting, but you felt it in your back, your knees, your bones everywhere. It was like your heart was being ripped for me. It was like my heart was being ripped out of my body. But I knew that if I could persevere, if I could make it, I would carry my baby in my hand. And so that is to me what challenges. Challenge is like the baby, that, that labor pains, that push that I'm going to push, and if I can make it, then other women, other people, other pastors' wives, all who look at me can also be blessed okay. through my experience. Well, what advice would you give to the woman of God whose husband is not called into ministry? That woman of God must first know that her first calling is to her husband. Okay. It's very, very, very important because uh, if not, you know how we are as women. 
then you become the uh, uh, prophetess of the house. You know, hey, my husband now go left, go right. <laughs> <laughs> you can, hey, no, 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 you know, right now I have to go and seek the Lord. You know, women, we can take it to the next, next level, level right. you know. So the woman must realize that the calling of God upon her life is just grace. It's the grace of God. You see, it's just the grace of God. So don't abuse the grace of God. God has seen you fit and God has called you to do his work. You mustn't allow that affect you negatively in any way. Not with your children, not with your husband, not with people around you. That thing must rather become a blessing. Now, when Adam said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, her name shall be called Eve. The meaning of Eve is a life giver. Okay. You see, so women, we give life. So we must focus on the positive side. And so if your husband has not been called into ministry, there are certain things he might not understand. You got to add patience, explain things. At the same time, be the wife and the mother you have been called to do. Any man who will fight a woman is because maybe the man is not getting that kind of uh, satisfaction from his wife or satisfaction as a mother. So once you are able to, you know, put all this together and explain things to your husband and take things up in prayer, you see, I want to encourage women to learn to pray more than talk more. Spend more time in prayer. Break certain things, you know, on your knees. And then once you add that loveliness, that feminineness, that, that, that beauty of a woman to your calling, I believe everything will go beautiful. Is there, a comp is there competition in ministry, especially you being a woman? Do you see the men as competition? I know there's competition in everything, but I don't know if there is competition in ministry. Yes. Like if there is, how, as a woman, because I, I believe... Especially in Ghana, you hardly see more women of God. It's mostly the men. So you being a woman of God, how do you deal with this competition? Oh, definitely there's competition in everything. At the workplace, mm -hmm. even in your environment, yes. there's always competition. So definitely uh, there's competition in, in ministry as well, you see. But there's one thing I have come to believe. And I, I, I don't compete with anybody and I'm not in competition with anybody. The reason being that uh, God called me and my, my accounts is going to go back to God. Right. At the end of everything, I'm going to account to him what I did with whatever he has asked me to do. So I don't care what anybody else is doing. I'm not looking at what anybody else is doing. You know, I'm focusing on what God has called me to do. I'm doing what I can do, and what I cannot do, I leave it unto God for the following day. 
That is how simple my ministry is. So as much as there could be competition in a ministry, people are trying to look at oh, how many people do you have? <laughs> how, who do you minister to? Uh, how big is this? Uh, how big is that? How, big, how many women and all that? For me, Bible says when two or three are gathered, there's a, a true story of a man of God who gathered 4,000 people at a meeting, had a three-day meeting. On the second day, the voice of God spoke to him and said, man of God, you've gathered 4,000 people. Number one, who said you should gather them? Number two, do you know that out of these 4,000 people, there are only 40 people who are, who are real Christians? 40 out of the 4,000. And so sometimes, as human, we are looking at the numbers. You know, you want to be like somebody else. If it's not somebody competing with you, you are trying to compete with somebody else. Somebody is sitting, uh, so many people. Hey, that when you go there, there are 500 people, there are 1,000 people. And yours is just 20 people. And so you want to be like somebody else. But no, be yourself. Be who God has called you to be. And know that at the end of the day, you are not going to account to anybody else but to God. No human being is going to take glory. No human being is going to mark you wrong or right. It's only God who is going to mark you for what you have done. Okay. What is your definition for submission? Submission. Because I believe everybody has their own definition. For different, <laughs> different, definitions for it. As a woman. Yes. Submission. For me, submission is just be obedient to the word of God. Okay. okay? So, what does the word of God say in that situation? That's my definition of submission. So, in every situation, what is God saying? How should I go about it? Go back to the word. Go and search the word. That's why the Bible says we must study to show ourselves approved unto God. So you need to study your word. Even in marriage. Even in marriage, in everything. God has remedies for everything. So when you study the word of God, you know how to go about everything. So for me, submission is that simple, simple definition. Just do what the Bible, the word urges you to do. Um, as the senior, maybe the senior pastor's wife or general overseer's wife, how do you relate with the junior pastors? Oh, of course, if you are a senior pastor's wife, then the junior pastor's wives really look up to you. You become like a mother to them. That is why I believe that. I mean the junior pastors themselves. The junior pastors. How do you, how do you relate to the junior pastor's wife? The same way. I'm sure the junior pastors look up to you as a mother. You see, that is why in Ghana, they will call you Asafo Mami. Because they look up to you as the mother of, you know, everybody. Whether it's the past junior pastors, or whether it's their wives, their children, whatever. I remember very well when I, they started calling me Mama Francisca. That is why the Mama Francisca has stayed on till today. I didn't get Mama Francisca from anywhere. I got it because people always said to me, Mommy, you treat us like your own children. I fed them, I encouraged them, 
I train them, I teach them, we cry together, we laugh together, you know, we eat from the same plate, that kind of thing. So, so they really looked up to me. And, and, and so I was able to help them. And so a junior pastors will look up to you. Of course, don't forget that if you're a mother and you even have your own biological children, they all have different temperaments. <laughs> so there'll be some that uh, will, will, will be nice to you. There'll be some that, you know, will turn their backs on you. I always say that this kind of way, there are some that after you've done everything for them, they are the very people who will go and say all kinds of things about you. But it's okay, it's part of the work. I call them fringe benefits. <laughs> you know, just do what God has called you to do. And your reward is with him. So the junior pastors will look up to you. The junior pastors are going to expect you to be like a mother to them, a mother figure to them. You see, um, yes, there are times you'll be hard on them. Uh, because even your own children, there are times you are hard on them. There are times you, you uh, but there are also times that you love them, isn't it? So let's, let's play the motherly role for these people because I'm sure they look up to us. Whatever also you have in the area of your spiritual maturity and all that, you can also impact into their lives. Okay. Um, about this motherly role, I, I, I believe in when, when it comes to kingship or when you go to the royal house yes. and palace, you see that when someone, when someone is being prepared to get married to the king, um, they prepare the person, they yes. train the person. Yes. And I don't know, but when it comes to like being married to a pastor, I feel like you just enter into it. Some of, some people do not even know anything about it. They just get married right. to a pastor, and then you have to learn everything. At the end, of, on the way of during the process of learning, you make mistakes. You make and mistakes. get people bashing you, True. and uh, don't you think there should be maybe a training for? women who are getting who are to be who will be getting married to pastors is so important yes you see it's only recently that we jump into marrying pastors without training oh there used to be that oh yeah 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 our, our older generation okay. especially the orthodox churches as i was growing up i knew that if you wanted to marry uh, uh, maybe a presbyterian pastor you go stay with a couple, a Presbyterian okay. family, a pastor's family, for some time to learn. I mean, these were things we heard about. I, 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 I heard about it, but I believe it was to train the younger generation, especially the woman, to learn so much, you know, about how to take care of, of the pastor and the family and the ministry and all that, because it's a very, very big responsibility. So the training is so important. And, and so on this topic, I would encourage, you know, young uh, um, ladies that are going to get married to pastors, do find somebody who's been there already. Yes, you know, somebody who will be a mentor, somebody you can learn from, somebody who can advise you, somebody who, will be, who is genuine, you know, who can tell you uh, um, A for A you know, and, and help you come up in that, in that, um, okay. 
What are some of the ways one can be an effective help to their spouse, to their husband or wife who is in ministry? Especially when you are not called yes. into the pulpit ministry. A very, very, very important one there. How can you be an effective help to your spouse? First of all, you must know who your spouse is. You see, I always say that every woman must learn her husband. Learn the man God has given to you. Because what you may term help for me may not be what I term help. You know, if, if, if at the moment what I need is for you to lift my right hand up and you come and lift my left hand up, then that's not help for me. What I needed help for was my right hand to be lifted up. So what you have to do is to find out from your husband, my darling, my pastor, you are the one God has given to me. In which areas do you want me to be of help to you? Don't just wake up and start because you feel you are the you know, pastor's wife. Just wake up and start doing anything at all. It could bring a lot of confusion. As much as he is the pastor, he is the head. He is your head, the head of the church and everything. So make sure that you follow the vision. Okay. There can't be too many visions in the same house. Mm -hmm. If not, it is going to create a lot of confusion. So what does your husband want you to do? Talk to him, find out what do you want me to do. Maybe all he wants you to do is stay home and take care of the children. It's ministry. It's ministry. Ministry does not mean taking a pulpit and standing on the altar and, and you know, preaching. That also is ministry. Making sure that he, he comes home and his food is ready. It's ministry. Making sure the home is clean. It's ministry. Taking care of the children is also ministry. So ministry is not just preaching. Ministries can also be helps, you know, it can come in different forms. So for you to have, to be an effective helper, because women, that is what we've been called to do, okay. to, to, to be a suitable helpers to our men. What you do is that find out from him, speak with him, find a nice time, find out what can I do to, um, you know, make your ministry successful. And from time to time, revisit the subject. Am I doing what I should do? Is there anything you need me to do? Am I going overboard? Are you happy? Are you okay? If he says no, my darling, um, just last week I was speaking to a group of pastor's wives and um, uh, one of the ladies was saying, oh, uh, mommy, my husband doesn't like me preaching or taking the microphone. Anytime I take the microphone, it's like there's trouble. And I said to her, I said, don't rush it. A time will come when your husband himself is going to tell you, now take the microphone, go and preach, go and do this. But until that time comes, your number one duty, pray for your family, take care of your family, and make him the man that God has called him to be. Who is your mentor? My mentor, um, have you heard of uh, the wife of the late Archbishop Idahosa? Yes. yes, Mama Margaret. Yes. yes, I've known Mama Margaret for so many years. 
and um, she is one of my mentors. And I do have other elderly people here and there that also speak into my life. Mama Danso uh, of Aglo. Okay. Yes. She is also my spiritual mother. Yes. Uh, I look I look up to her as well. I have people like Archbishop Susie Amatefiu. These are, you know, in their 80s and all that. And, and, and these women of God have been a solid backbone to me and still are. <laughs> what are some of the books that you've read that has helped you to this point? I, I um, have, for me, I've, I've been to Bible school, so I've done a lot in, in the Bible and then um, um, doing more with reading the Bible itself and then also sitting down and studying from other men of God and women of God. You know, and and um, um, there, there are so many uh, men of God. Uh, um, you are talking of, about people like Jimmy Swaggart. You are talking about people like uh, um, you know um, some of these great great men of God, T. D. Jakes, and all these people. That I I read some of their books. And do you have um, a favorite book, like a particular book that you read and you feel like this was a turnaround? I think I think um, I think one of the books that I read was by Rebecca Brown. Okay. Yes, on uh, demonology, and that that book was such a blessing to me. Demonology. Yes, you know warfare, spiritual yeah. warfare, because uh, life is it's it's a warfare, okay. and so I, I but I do more. I do more on studying the word of God itself. Yes. Okay. If you have one advice to a young minister of the gospel, what would it be? Just one advice. To a young minister of the gospel? Mm -hmm. Take it easy. Be it man, woman. Yes, take it easy. Ministry is all about what God has called you to do. You know, don't rush it. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't look at what somebody else is doing and want to do the same thing. If not, sometimes you could uh, destroy yourself. It's unfortunate that I have a few sons in the Lord that have, have gone to be with the Lord because they wanted to be like others. And so went into certain things they shouldn't have gone into. And then, you know, died rather too early. It's all about what God has called you to do. As I said in the beginning, for some of us, it's taken us so many years. If you look at some of these great, great men and women of God, it's taken them so many years. Look at people like Marilyn Hickey. You look at people like uh, uh, some of these Oral Roberts and all these people who were there. Uh, it took them so many years. Derek Prince, some of these people, took them so many years. You see, and also they live long. They lived long, you know, somewhere 90 years, somewhere older. The, I believe the secret is that they were not looking at what others were doing. They were just doing what God has called them to do. You know, one of the things I want us to look at is, 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 is and to be so cautioned about is the fact of looking at somebody else and thinking you want to be like that. You may destroy yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you may destroy yourself. So they should be patient. They should look up to the Lord. Look up to the Lord. Read more of his word. It's okay to have all the other books and all that. It's good. I have nothing wrong with that. But read more. Study the word of God. You see, 2 Timothy 2 and 15. It says, study the word. Take time and build. And when you study the word of God, it's going to help you mature. It's going to direct you. And I believe that Joshua 1.8, it will bring you good success. What has been your experience with the prophetic, good and bad? Yes, we, 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 we started with the prophetic. We heard about the prophetic years ago, and it was just wonderful. You know, people, people would go and hear uh, uh, prophecies about their lives. And then after a while, the prophetic um, was becoming a bit diluted. Um, you, hear, you hear of... Uh, 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 prophets who go and then you hear, of, oh, this one took that person's car there. Say maybe there's some demon in your car. There is a, <laughs> a, 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 some demon in your house, you know, or, or taking people's money and all that. But I, I strongly believe that the prophetic is so needed. It is, it is, it is so needed in everybody's life because everybody needs direction. The prophetic gives us direction, you know, as to what God is saying. Sometimes you don't even know what God is saying concerning your life. But when the prophetic comes in, the prophetic will help you. So um, I, 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 I want to speak to as many prophets that are listening to me that I know it's not every prophet that is throwing that light. We have the, yes, the, the very, very... Uh, great men of God who are prophets. But if there's anyone there, you know, who is going off the word of God and it's, it's, it's bringing a lot of distraction into homes, into people's lives, people are losing their money, they are losing their homes. Somebody has worked all her life, 50 years, has built one house and somebody just comes overnight. Look, there's a demon here if you don't leave this house. And people then after a while come. I, I heard a story, and this is a true one, of, of a lady, a prophet went to preach somewhere. I'm not going to mention the name, but um, after the prophet preached, of course, he said, bring so much money, you know, so much money. And um, so they, 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 they brought the money. And the prophet said, in the morning, by the time you wake up, these empty bottles will be filled with oil by angels. You see? She woke up in the morning. Her bottle was still empty. <laughs> <laughs> but she had given out so much money. Then she had overheard the prophet on the radio station. She called into the radio station. Prophet! Prophet! I, I, you know, yesterday you said we should bring my, me... Do you know me? I've not met you anymore. Oh, wow. And this is a true story. Another spiritual daughter of mine, you know, went to a meeting and the prophet prophesied and said to her, oh, you know, you're a witch and blah, 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 in front of everybody. Now, the, her background 
was sad that she had come from a very prominent family. So I believe she was not strong enough to receive that. I don't have any problem with you locating a witch or, or the Spirit of God leading you to identify a witch. But you could do it in a better way. You could even take her aside, you know, and, and, and speak to her one on one in front of her pastor or whatever. But this lady was prophesied to, and the prophecy was that you're a witch and blah, blah, blah. And this was a great meeting. You know what happened to the lady? The lady, number one, lost her marriage. Her husband left her. And this is not a story I was told. This is a true story. Left her because she was a witch. Number two, she, her, her position in the ministry, in the church, was taken away from her because she had been told she was a witch. She herself got into depression. By the time they realized that this lady was, uh, uh, you know, not what somebody had said she was, she had gone so much into the depression. The husband was ready to come back. The husband was working his way back, but it was too late. You know what happened to the young lady? She died. So do we go to church for people to die? Or do we rather raise the dead from, from you know? So we should know why we have, we have been called. So uh, these prophets who are, uh, you know, let's be careful. Let's be careful what we say because we have the microphone. You know, I don't believe that God wants to kill anybody through a church service. But the prophetic is so important. And I thank God for all the lives of the prophets. But it is my prayer that we will stop using the prophetic as a negative impact into the lives of people. Mm. But how is it like pastoring a church as a woman? It's not easy. For me, it's not easy. And I'm talking about myself now. Yes. It's, it's, it's not easy because, you see, for me, they look up to me as Mama Francisca. The, the same Mama Francisca thing. And so they come to me, some of them even want their toothpaste, their toothbrush. Some of them, uh, uh, you know, everything. When you are eating, they want because it, it's, she's our mother. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes, you know, it, it's not easy, you know, as, as a woman of God. And also, um, you know the, the thing about uh, some say women should be preach and women should preach and all that and all that. You you have to overcome all those How things. How are you able to take that? No, I mean... You don't let it get to you? No, there, there, it's nowhere written that a woman should not preach. <laughs> well, Jesus, Jesus was, was surrounded by women preachers. That would be another subject, you see. But so for me, well, I, I, you know, it doesn't doesn't really affect me. I'm doing what I can do, but it's not easy in the, in the sense that, you know, as a woman, uh, they look up to me as a mother. They see you as a mother more than a preacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we are making it. Okay, what would be your advice to a parent who is in ministry on how they treat their children like little children? Babies, no, no, like, like to, children, yeah. how the parents treat yeah, them. Be advice to them. What does the word of God say? Train up a child 
the way it should go, and when he goes, he will not depart from I feel like most or some pastors' children lack attention. Because the attention is going to all others, minus this. So that's what I just said. So that that child will not depart from the word of God. If your children are pastors' children, but you do not have time to train them, to become what they should be by the word of God, then what it means is that these children are going to be trained by other things. Okay. okay? They are going to look up to other people. They are going to read materials outside the word of God. They are going to talk to the wrong people. And then by the time they, they are grown, 16 years, 17 years, 18 years, you now want to correct them. It doesn't work like that. They've already been formed. So, uh, parents who are into ministry must have time for their children. They must, that's what I was talking about, balancing your life, putting a balance there, making sure that you know when you have time for your family, know when you have time for your children, your wife, and your ministry. Have other people, you see, delegate, learn to delegate. Uh, uh, duties to other people. You cannot be everything. Some pastors are everything. You know, the counselor, the preacher, he takes the offering, he counts the offering. He is <laughs> 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 one man thousand. You kill yourself. One man thousand. One man thousand. <laughs> you, as we say it. Yes. No, well, if you had to change something from your past, what would it be? My past, if I was to change anything in my past, I think I would have loved to have more knowledge. In things of God? Yes, in everything. More knowledge. I've realized at this stage of my life that, you know, knowledge is so important. Bible says that we perish because of lack of knowledge. And it is so true. If you want Success with your children is knowledge. If you want success as a business person, is knowledge. If you want success as a minister, is knowledge. Even to take care of yourself, is knowledge. So if there was one thing I would have loved to change, we didn't have this kind of knowledge that is there today. I would have loved to have more knowledge. Okay. How do you deal with offenses? Offenses will come. There is no way conflict is inevitable. Offenses will be there. And sometimes they even come from the people you don't expect it to come from. So one, realize that there will be offenses. That's number one. And then number two, do not allow these offenses to get to you. Because I know a lot of people who are in hospital today with all kinds of diseases because they've not learned to let go. Once you know offenses will come, you don't react to who is doing what. At best, if you cannot take it, go into your closet, hand it over to the Lord and walk out of it. Because if not, you'll be the one putting toxins into your body. And you'll be the same person suffering with needles at the hospital, with all the injections. 
you'll be the same person paying your hospital bills. And that person who offended you is gone. He's <laughs> walking freely. No wahala, as they say it. The person is gone, no trouble. And you are there with one hypertension, mm -hmm. with one <laughs> headache, with that. So let us be careful how we deal with offenses. Just let it go. It's, it's human nature. Let it go. Okay, how do you see women's ministry in Ghana now? And where do you see it in the next 10 years? Women's ministry is really catching up. Okay. I think more women are being encouraged. They are, they are getting into more of ministry now. The only thing I want to say to my ladies in ministry is that we should get more knowledge. We should get the men are going to Bible school. The men are learning, they are training. But the women, you see, let's also get more knowledge. Let's 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 get this knowledge to help us. Okay. Yes. So where do you see it in the next? Oh yes, it, it, it's 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 going. More women are, are, are getting into ministry and I believe in the future even more women are going to. But let's do it the right way. Okay. Uh, my final question is um, um, about women, uh, women who have been married before and maybe the marriage didn't work out. And I see some denouncing God after the marriage didn't go. But mommy, with you, I don't know how you were able to so what would be your encouraging words to a woman out there who is going through something like that, who feels like God has given up on her? Nobody prays for anything to that is negative to happen. So if something like that happens, why do you have to allow that destroy your life? Give it back to God, allow time, allow God, and heal yourself. If not, you are going to become a, a career of pain, hurt, bitterness, depression. depression, and everybody around you is going to be affected by that. So just realize that, you know, um, this is life. I mean, it was there before we were born. It will be there after we are born. Right. And nobody prays for that. But if it happens, God is in control. Okay. One last advice to your viewers, our viewers, and the people. Just everybody watching us. Okay, so my last advice to everyone is get closer to God. My success in life has been my work with God. And you'll be amazed. God is so real to us than we think. At a time when you're alone and you think there's nobody with you, He will speak with you. At a time when you cannot make it, he will cause people to help you. Get closer to your God. You get closer to your God, your God will get closer to you. And I love one thing, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have of you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. So God has so many good thoughts about us. He wishes us good. In fact, right from the beginning, he said we should multiply, we should subdue, we should have dominion, replenish. These are all great things that God has in store for us. So once we get closer to him, I believe all these things are going to be fulfilled in our lives. And at the end of it all, we'll be so happy. 
to also be there, give an account, and enjoy our heavenly home. Thank you. When we invite people for service on Sunday. Oh, yes. Directions. Directions on Sunday. So I want to take this opportunity and invite you all to church on Sunday. Uh, it's at the Dogza Citadel, uh, right uh, behind the Puma filling station at Hacho. Just Google Dogza Citadel if you are driving and it will bring you straight to the uh, church. If you get to the Puma filling station at Hacho, you will see our signboards and directional signs which will also bring you straight to the church. Church starts at 9 o'clock on the dot and you are most welcome. And I'll also leave my telephone number so you can call uh, for directions. And my number is Okay, so this is the end of the show and I am excited because I've learned a lot. We always learn a lot on Saturdays and today is an eye-opener. I am so happy. I um, My crew and everybody is just calm because we've learned so much. I have been, in fact, I am humbled to be here and the interview has humbled me. Mommy, I want to say thank you for Bless having you. us. God with you. It's been a joy. Thank you. All right, so much. I'll see you guys same time next week, Saturday. God bless you for watching. Bye.